Hello and welcome to the Patriot Game Podcast. I'm Lee Fitz in Belfast and as always I'm joined by Martino in Amber and Pierce in Dublin. Today's guest we are joined by Keno Foundation volunteer, Celtic fan and exceptional poet, Aaron Boyle. Aaron, how are you How's things going? Hello guys, thanks very much for having me on. I'm actually buzzing to talk to you. Uh, I'm good, how are you? Very good, thank you very much. Martino, Pierce, how are you getting on, lads? As you do, just enjoying the, the follow from Saturday's events, they've been entertaining, to say the least, haven't they? <laughs> I can't wait to get stuck in. <laughs> I'm just going to go in two-footed. They're a disgrace. <laughs> we will carry on. They're an absolute shambles of a group of people. And uh, it undeniably was not a minority, as many have said. They're, uh, they're, they're such a strange group of people beating each other up after winning a final. In all the years... Going to games, winning leagues, winning trebles. I'm not saying that Celtic fans are saints and they're this and they're that. There's plenty of bams in the support, but I've never ever seen scenes like that ever. And even if there's a squab or a niggle, it's usually self pleased. They're a very, very unique breed of people. Odd to say the least. It's definitely a funny way to celebrate winning your first title in a very long time, isn't it? Ever. Like to go in the Glasgow City Centre and rack the place, and even here in the north in the occupied six counties. There was fireworks going off left, right, and centre. There was they were breaking COVID rules left, right, and centre. That's been happening for a long time anyway. But the only reason they went into the city centre, though, was um, it's like a dog peeing on a lamppost. It's a sign of superiority. It's, most normal people would celebrate, like if Hibs or St. Johnson win the cup this weekend, they'll go to the respective stadiums and celebrate with their fans. They needed to show, like, a, it was essentially an orange walk that came over the south side, walked in the city centre to take over the place. And it's it's a sign of triumphalism. Like, we are better than you, we are taking over. It was a sign that we are running Glasgow, we are taking over the city centre. It was a show of dominance. They're just, they're, they're no well. They're uh, absolute freaks. That's what it's always been, though. It's, it's never been about, uh, you know, we are, we are winning our, we're winning our first league. It's we've stopped the 10. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I, I left work just at the final whistle and it was like it was either like bonfire night and it was like Scotland winning the World Cup. It was just scenes that I've never seen before. And it wasn't we celebrate and it's family friendly. It's a special occasion, do you know what I mean? It's well, it's no special occasion to us, but you know, it's it's special moments. But it, it it's just it's always it's always hatred filled and it's it's yeah. so much it's so much deeper than just just football. And when you were reading tweets, I mean, I was glued to Twitter over the weekend. And <laughs> what, what, what was what top content? Bear <laughs> yeah. on bear. What, what was the, the thing? Is it wasn't even that that got me? It was more just the broad support of football overall. Celtic fan, Rangers fan, Hibs fan, whatever. That was like, oh, I mean, it would be the same if it was Celtic fans. Do you know what I mean? Uh, no, 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 it would not be the same. Folk that are like, well. We'll just come on a tangent. Folk that are like, well, we'll just ban all these events. Well, you're going to are you going to ban transmit? Are you going to ban any large scale event just because of litter? Because that that's the route you go down if you're going to tie both sale celebrations and their celebrations in the same brush. Do you know what I mean? Said yeah, because we were. Uh, do you remember Martin, when we won the, the treble treble and me, you, and everyone? We walked from the Brazen Head to. Uh, I recall. Yeah, to the to the salt market, and I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't say anything to anyone. Like, and the cop was straight over to me, 
taken the cans out of my hand and she just poured it like now I don't want to get into a complete rant about the to be fair I was standing I'd be next to you <laughs> everyone was drinking that was a great time and they just thought like but there was no trouble there at all and we asked the copper why isn't the bus come by and they blatantly lied and said that the Celtic bus had been stoned it was as if they were saying it to try and stoke up some sort of atmosphere for something to happen and then you compare that to what was going on on Saturday but it was just like I don't even know what way to put it. It's like they were trying well, to like there was make, a, a, encourage it. Like there was a communion, I don't know where, and five, five, five or six police fans showed up to a child's outdoor communion party. And you look at those the, the footage of the Glasgow City Council uh, live live feed, and I didn't see any. I didn't see one. I didn't didn't see any for. The police know. said that they couldn't stop it because they couldn't control it. They essentially said because of the numbers that turned up, they was they were powerless to do anything. But they facilitated them, the they could have blocked those, they walked them. They've done the exact same the last time. But what you said there, they now hit the nail on the head. They they are defined by hate, ultimately. Uh, anything we do, they, they are contrary to, they're, they're the opposite of. Um, they have no real definition or understanding other than a hatred of Celtic and everything that Celtic represents, be it Irish, be it Catholic, be it anything. And I think that's kind of what what drives them. They, they, they've got a complete hatred they Celtic. And the other day, people are trying to be revisionists and claim, I don't know where that level of violence comes from. When they won the Cup Winners' Cup, they couldn't get the presentation because they battered each other. When they played in Barcelona, played in Osasuna, the first time that they ever got called Huns was when they played in Wolverhampton. And the local paper, the Gazette, described them as um, like a Hanoverian army that they, they marauded and pillaged the city. And that was where the term Hun comes from. It's got nothing to do with any religious or sectarian connotations. It's literally to do with their behaviour. And they act like that generation after generation. They're defined by hatred. They kind of differentiate between celebration and 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 uh, fighting. And ultimately, you see them smashing each other. I mean, this was at about three, four in the afternoon. And then it gets to one in the morning and they're hurling stones, bottles and all that sort of stuff. I mean, when in any time when we want anything, were there restaurants and shops and all that in the city centre forced to close their doors? It didn't happen. It just didn't happen. They're a strange group of people. They were attacking paramedics because they had green tops on. I don't know if you listen to Sports Sound um, or on uh, Clyde Scoreboard. There was a paramedic that came on and he was really eloquent, spoke so well. And he had a trainee and she refused to come back the following day because of the level of abuse that she endured that night. She was getting spat on, getting called a Fenian bastard. She was getting hit. I mean, she was a young girl at her work doing a phenomenal job. Paramedics are absolute salt there. And they're getting attacked because they have a green uniform. I mean... What kind of mentality is that? Thing, thing, thing is as well, sorry, is that if you put those videos all together, it's like one big, massive compilation of a lack of education. Like, some of them videos that were going about, like, the usual songs that we've been hearing for upwards of a century, like the Billy Boys, the usual, and then you're seeing like certain videos of, like, there was one guy in particular in a video and he was a Muslim fella and there was girls and fellas around him singing that, that horrible, disgusting, racist song. And that guy singing along to it and you're just like, you feel so sorry for him because you, you, it's like he needs to be a part of something. Um, yeah. Absolutely crazy, like crazy, crazy stuff. And I don't mean to be coming across like in any way sort of like, cle- like cheesy. Oh, about this, but it was, like, it yeah. was really like, it was sad at the same time. Like some of the videos were just... And then the excuse that they came out with about the, the letter that they put forward to the government that they were requesting yeah. 10,000 fans at Abrax, you're like, 
it's everyone else's fault. Like, and they've started the media campaign now as well. I've seen the video of the guy who saying he, or the girl who said he got battered by the cops, and the fella saying he had epilepsy, and they just like battered him. It's just like they've got yeah, everyone out. Yeah, everyone out trying to defend them now and come up with any excuse. But I was, I was saying to you is even like all they've got in common is hating us. They have no other shared interests. So eventually, after a few hours and the drink and the drugs kick in, it's always like, who's he looking at? What's that all about? And then they just tear into each other. They're just a a different breed of Neanderthals. I think it's it's a it's an important conversation to have, but it's dangerous territory in the sense of observing the weekends both. The, the footage for starters before I go before I, I make my point when see if there was ever a, a you know a harmless fight that broke out in a silly pub and somebody took out a video somebody took out a phone to film it the first thing you would see was get that phone away do you know what I mean that's, mm-hmm. that's another thing that I never quite understood was the 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 the, the, the first instinct to film your pals and 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 a state like that but the point that I was making there was that for well, us thank them for doing it though I enjoyed well, it. Well, I, that's, that's, that's true. But uh, it's it's a dangerous route to go down in the sense of the night before with all their flares and all that. For me, I, I don't have a problem with them celebrating at all. Because in the sense of in the sense of working class unity, especially in Glasgow, there's this dangerous thing of uh, all working class football fans are all the same and Silicon Rangers and tying of tying both sides to this old firm category when in fact it, it's got nothing to do with the fact that the Rangers fans are you know whatever the influence may be at the, the end of the day it is anti-Catholic prejudice it is anti-Irish prejudice and the more that folk like us and folk like myself who doesn't normally get political uh, publicly it's you know it's those who don't condemn wrongdoings are complicit in them, and it's so important yeah. to normalise these conversations and no create this taboo of oh we can't talk about sectarianism. Do you know what I mean? Like it's for me, it's horrific that it happened, but on that on that scale, on that worldwide scale, let's face it, on Twitter and those videos, it's opened up so many conversations. Jeanette Finlay talking on the nine, just hearing those words anti-Catholic on the BBC has such significance. My problem though is that the state are almost trying to steal the narrative now. Like that, this has been this has went on my entire life. Like I've I I I find it quite normal. Like I, when I was a young laddie we got spat on because we had a, my brother and I because we had a Celtic view. There was loads of different instances. I got attacked in a park and all that sort of stuff because I was wearing a Celtic top. Um, it was the first time I was about maybe eight year old. I ran back after getting hit and all that. These guys were literally almost men. I think they were quite sort of elderly teenagers. And I was a wee laddie. And um, I remember saying to my parents, what does a Fenian bastard mean? I didn't know what it meant. Um, it's been totally and utterly normalised. And um, I think the problem is, is when the SNP this week are kind of trying to jump on it, I'm a bit cynical because I think there's an element that they're trying to justify their hate bill and they can incorporate that within. But it's a very dangerous territory to go down. The concept of anti-Irish racism and with anti-Catholic bigotry is so overt in this country and it didn't just exist or happen last weekend. I mean, the Vidder Stadium partially closed down on two occasions for UEFA. They're the only ones, and I despise UEFA, but they came out and said it was closed down for racism, the press tell you it's sectarianism. The, every single week, if you ever went along there, 50,000 of them would be singing the what he weighed in our blood knee deep. This, it, it doesn't start in a football stadium. It doesn't end in a football stadium. It's a societal problem. You've seen it for Arthur Boric blessing himself. You've seen it for generation after generation. It's taught in the household. It's systemic. 
it's absolutely ingrained into Scottish culture through the Orange Order, through this different discourse with regards to politics. It's facilitated every year. It doesn't start or stop with football fans. It's normalised. Most people in Scotland, if they're a Catholic, will have overtly or in, uh, indirectly experienced some degree of discrimination. Of course, probably every year, but if not, across their lifetime. It's astonishing, I think, that the SNP now are trying to kind of steal the headlines and drive the narrative. It's been going on my whole life. And unfortunately, I didn't see it changing anytime soon. The, and organisations like No By Mouth and all that are certainly going to change it. They're part no, of the problem. Yes, yes. Spot on about the, the government and people trying to climb it out, but it's not just the SNP, the Labour Party. Pauline McNeil was talking in Hollywood. Really, like, they, they've always tried to champion themselves kind of as the the party for Irish Catholics, but they've been like, the dominant party in Scotland, in Glasgow for 50, 60 years, and they've had next to no interest in doing it, and they did a deal with the Orange Order for yeah, the they re- referendum. Them yeah, and then, of course, Liam Kerr from the, the Tories, mm-hmm. all he had to say about the matter was, why are you not saying the same stuff about crowds gathering for Palestine? Uh, for, yeah. sorry, for, for immigrants in last Thursday in Glasgow. Like, it's just, I, I, I'm actually kind of worried now that this is going to become the new trendy lefty See now it's going to be popular yeah. to be like and <laughs> being your life matter. <laughs> <laughs> they, it was just because it was in the city centre and it got beamed around the world. I think they were quite scared of the publicity. It happens every single week. If it had that stadium been open, all fifty thousand directors and all would have been singing. I mean, you've got a guy that's the PR that was involved with the Orange Order quite yeah, significantly. Yeah. Ah, he was involved with the DUP as a councillor. This is a guy that's their head of PR. I mean, it's astonishing and. If people think that it's not deep rooted, they're absolutely and utterly bizarrely blind. One one thing it gets me as well is that it's not as if it's not been represented. I don't want to say in the media, that's not what I mean, but for example, something that I always show folks, say when folk are like, what? No, you're, that's just an exaggeration. To, I love Tony Roper. Tony Roper sketches for back in the day <laughs> where, you know, he's signing he, he, comedic sketches actually. <laughs> You know, Brendan, oh, no, you know, you know, <laughs> making excuses up, like, try to cut off his finger, for example. But you, he's been able to explaining it crap, but it's, you're hitting the, everything you just said there, exactly, hitting the nail on the head. Hey, Tay, we're seeing even the, the Alex Ferguson documentary that's going to be coming out. Um, he, he spoke, um, he speaks openly in it about his experience when he was asked about, like, was he married in a chapel and stuff, and about his wife, his wife being a Catholic and stuff. That's the thing, that, that this needs to be spoke about and this needs to be highlighted at a much, on a much larger scale. Um, and things need to really start being, like, it's okay just coming out and, and condemning scenes and condemning things that were, being, that were being done at the weekend, but parties like the SNP actually need to put, actually need to do something about it instead of putting tweets out and putting Facebook posts out or whatever actually getting policies in place and getting educational programs in place that are going to actually help these people and fucking get them smarter and I mean hard to you hard like but, that's but a the good problem way is of, it, like, I agree with what you just said there Lee spawn right but see what I'm just going to say is that the argument generally and I agree with what you're saying because predominantly the ugly face of unionism and loyalism is a guy waving a union jack singing the Billy Boys or something to that degree. But it's so much more deep-rooted. Just look back at the time when um, your man, what was he called? The lawyer, Donald Finlay. This is a a guy that's an institutional figure within Civic Scotland. He's represented in the High Court. 
he's he's a massive part of the judiciary and he's singing about being wading in people's blood. The, the, this level of hatred is systemic. It's so ingrained. And I don't think it's just it's so easy to say, oh, you know, it's working class problem, they're stupid. No, the problem being is that they are essentially a community devoid of leadership, they're devoid of sort of educational structure to be able to guide them away from this level of intolerance and hate. And I think the problem being is that the the narrative on sort of the other side is that younger laddies and younger girls now are starting to grasp a degree of internationalism, they're educating themselves, they're emancipating themselves, and they're basically taking themselves out of the situation or that prism of what they like to call sectarianism. So we can see it for what it is, and they're trying to equate that their actions were justified because you see two guys getting taken out of a van after amazing solidarity in a community. Like These people are blind with bigotry, but doesn't it just, I don't think it just comes from working class areas. That place where they guys were supported, I mean, you had a situation where a community came together. So Thursday, you see the very best of Glasgow, and then on the weekend, you see the very worst of Glasgow. And it's really quite sad, but I I think it goes for the top, I think it's the upper echelons of the society, and it filters down, it's through the media, it's through the political class, it's absolutely and utterly ingrained. Even if you go back to look at like the offensive behaviour at football, Christine Graham, when she was getting interviewed, talking about even on up the score, because we know that over at Ibrox, it may be the case that it's more sectarian, it's based on bigotry and hatred, whereas Celtic, it's more political. The, 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 the weight of the politicians will come on top generally of the oppressed, be it a minority Catholic community. My problem and my worry here is that when they try to weaponise what's happened at the weekend, those that will be affected again will be predominantly the Irish or Catholic diaspora in Scotland. Because I would not be surprised in the slightest if they try and roll with this momentum at the moment and come out with some knee-jerk legislation. And ultimately, my worry would be that it doesn't solve anything. You solve it by engaging. But the exact arguments will come around all the time. We need to get rid of Catholic schools and all that sort of stuff. You've already started hearing this. They'll just move the goalposts and shift the narrative. It's, it's absolute lunacy. It doesn't come for a school. It doesn't even come for a non-denominational or Protestant, whatever you call it. It comes for the households. How do you change it in the households where they're teaching their kids pure hatred? It, like, how, how do you get away from a situation where we still have the orange order and they walk around every single village, town and city in this country and sing and literally in a white supremacist march a complete overt hatred to people that live in that very community now if that was a Ku Klux Klan walking about saying we hate black people and we want to kill them it'd be shut down and justifiably so if 50,000 people says we're up to knees in Jewish blood it would not be allowed but if you say that in Scotland it is still commonly accepted it is a accepted tolerant form of discrimination I, I, we, I sadly can't see it going anywhere well we've spoken about it before we've spoken about James McLean and the, the amount of abuse he gets is absolutely crazy. Look at Neil Lennon. Look at everything that he's been through. I think Neil Lennon's a perfect example of a, a, like a sporting figure in Scotland. Everything that he's had the experience because he's an Irish Catholic is absolutely crazy. I mean, the man was attacked on the pitch. He's had nail bombs sent to his house. He's had death threats. He's had spray paint. Hang Neil Lennon. Everything. If you can imagine... But he brought it on was... himself, though. <laughs> yeah, he was a dodgy character. That, yeah, that, he liked the that narrative as well. That narrative is astonishing. It never started when he was at Leicester. It never started at any time in the, before his career. The day one when he turned up in Glasgow, he started getting that. It, it, even His first like, game for the North after he signed for Celtic, he got booed from start to finish. Mm, Just mm. talking about Neil Lennon like, as a player and as a footballer back then, unbelievable player. Like 
he was he was their best player, one million percent, and they booed their captain from the very first kick of the ball to the very end, all because he was an Irish Catholic that's saying for Celtic Football Club. Devils, I used right. to sell the Billy Boys on CD at Windsor Park, so even playing for yeah. them itself is uh, shocking. But maybe just pick up no, last point quickly before they, before we jump on to another, another thing that we're all buzzing about. But um, what you were saying, Mark, uh, Martin, sorry about the lack of education. That's one thing for me. I work with a lot of uh, young people in the kind of central belt of Scotland and the, the your kind of work, more working class areas than Glasgow, and you hear certain discourse being thrown around to Tarrier and you ask them what do you mean by that you know expand why why that specific words oh my my dad just shouted at the telly I mean and it's it's the lack of it's the lack of understanding and it's the normalization of this kind of language just in the same way that Hun for example has been you know it's got this derogative connotation when in fact if you actually look through basic history basic research, do, do a wee bit of basic research that, you know, you'll find that it's not just as black and white and recently I've had a lot of convert. I work a lot in the arts uh, within uh, Glasgow young people so I tend, I like to get a wee bit experimented with working with, them, for example, uh, writing workshops if we're maybe writing poetry or writing a script or whatever and the kids want to tackle um, for example, uh, societal issues such as, you know, um, homophobia eh, in the LGBT community and then there's a lot of um, the young people that want to talk about things like sectarianism and um, you know how they feel about where they were brought up and whatever and it's it's important to not shy them away from talking about it just normally and I feel like in schools me uh, you know I went to a Catholic I went to a Catholic primary and secondary school and I always remember 2011 uh, Neil Lennon and Alan McCoist your, your classic uh, the, shame classic, game. the shame game, I the classic bug out fight, and I always remember my head teacher taking the whole school, well, the whole primary one to three or something, whatever it. No, I was I was a lot older than that. I was eleven, uh, but you know, breaking the schools down, taking us into an assembly, and saying, "Well, actually, at the weekend, Alan McCoist and Neil Lennon were pals. They go to the pub, and you know, because we were all." into the playground I feel like and that was such a significant moment in my life of wow like I, what does it mean to go to a Catholic school why do I go to Catholic school and why do I not go to you know why you know and there was I always remember I, I went to a school that was named after the Pope and folk would be running about shouting after the Pope <laughs> and you just think like it's not just as black and white as this these conversations need to happen more often at that young age so that's what I try and you know, bring uh, the young people that I work with is that it's okay to have these conversations as long as you, you're willing to learn and you're open to the, yeah. the conversation. Definitely. That's how you eradicate it, though. That, that, uh, uh, intolerance and prejudice that fuels things like racism, bigotry, homophobia, that all derives from a lack of education. And it's not a bad thing to question it. I think we should be having, I think we should be having mass debates. I think people should be engaging. You shouldn't stifle somebody. And I don't think you should be censoring them. See if somebody says something. If, like is that so many people now don't want to have these conversations because they want they don't want to get cast out or get told you're this or that so they try and just sort of bury it and then what happens is the hate gets sort of suppressed you're better bringing it to the surface the only way it will change is if society starts to engage it. i mean i'm 32 year old and i think this is the first weekend in my life i've ever seen mainstream media or the press discuss this 
I Same. can't think of a time in my life it's ever yep. happened. The, the other day, then the Scotsman, the boy Andrew Smith, wrote the first article I've ever read in a Scottish paper that I agreed with, word for word. I've never read a paper in this country that I thought, oh, that was a really good article. It's, yeah. It was the first time I've ever read something truthful. You need to approach it head on. You need to have a normal conversation with people and, and try and eradicate this, or it, it unfortunately will just continue to grow. We spoke about education. We have spoken about education. I'm obviously coming from Belfast, so you're coming from a, a, po- a post-war society. When I was growing up, I obviously went to a Christian Brothers school, and you never crack, really had... You, uh, unbelievable crack. <laughs> um, 500 boys you, just in the school. <laughs> but you never really had... like Community groups, especially in West Belfast, where I'm from, um, they do get praised, but they don't get praised enough. When you were... When you were going to, you know, community groups in the West growing up, you were told and taught from a very early age that the war that went on here, it wasn't a religious war. It was a class war. It was, it was, it, it's, you shouldn't fight someone who's living at the other side of a barrier or throw a brick at someone on the other side of the wall because of what they believe in religiously. Um, there's much, much more to it. So you're educated from a very young age. You have no option, but to educate yourself on these things like you know and, and that's the thing you talk about schools you talk about other things I think one massive thing is to get kids together and do what they do in Belfast I'm sure they do it in, in Scotland as well um, it's cross community groups bringing kids together from a very early age bringing them on on residential trips and then it gives them an opportunity they actually you know it's good that you support Salik. It's good that you support Rangers. You don't have to hate each other because of what you believe in religiously. You're the same type of person. You, you're, your families are going through the same struggles. It's not all right to support Rangers, by the way. But, <laughs> but yeah, from a very, very young age, get, get kids together, educate them on these issues. And I think it's one massive way of eradicating this, this, this problem. That is the key though, mate. But see the problem. See the problem, I think, is that see what you've just said? I think spot on. I, I've, I've, I've had very, very, very similar experiences here. And I think the problem is, is that a lot of people within our community are starting to recognise this. Generally speaking, if you go along to a Celtic game, just from my personal experience, home games, away games, etc. Very, I'm not saying it never happens, but very, very, very rarely would you hear sort of things that are overtly sectarian in nature. You wouldn't really necessarily hear someone say he's a pro to this or he's a blah blah blah. They'll definitely make reference like to maybe orange culture and things like that, but never never sort of exclusively say religion or a religious connotation. And people, if you've got a kind of degree of a mindset or an understanding of history, they could talk, make reference to, for example, Selig's greatest ever manager being a Presbyterian, the, the founding father of republicanism, Leopold Wolf Tone, Presbyterian, and so on and so forth. They're just so steeped in hatred, and I don't think they've kind of taken themselves out of that mental prism. They've kind of kept themselves in it. I think our community slowly but surely kind of elevated themselves away from it, understand class struggle, but under- also understand there needs to be a move away from this level of hatred. I didn't think they've done that. I just think that last weekend was just... So that kind of leadership like, as well, Martin? Yeah, big time. It was, a, it, was a la- it was a final stand. It was like, it just goes back to their mindset. We are the people. It's like Nazism type rhetoric. It's like, they think they're a superior class. They think they're a superior being and that they dominate. And I think that with multifaceted things like the, the British state coming to a natural conclusion sooner rather than later, they break up, the, the, the short, the, I think they're lacking a degree of identity, they've kind of lost their way a wee bit and they're, they're a very angry group of people, no leadership, poor education, 
and they're kind of thinking that they're losing their grip on control and then they smash each other and incredible bear on bear content. But it's not just that though, it's they've had nine years now with the media telling them they've been wronged by like, being put down yeah. to the fourth division. So it's been nine years That's of built up frustration and all they've got left really now is the football. Like I just saying, like the union's dying, the Orange Order is on its last legs and like that football club or whatever version of it is the last thing that they've got now. So it's just I don't want these guys He's had a horrible uh, last few days, but Saturday was nearly the, the legacy of the mess that we've made over the last few years that we've allowed a situation where they can be the top team in Scotland again. I think it drives me mad as well. Like, the Rangers did not stop the 10. Celtic done that all on their own, but that's a whole other 100%. conversation. And it's the, it's the delusion that, that gets me. So it's... Big time. They're a very delusional people. See, we're going to have to ask you a question because this has been an absolutely phenomenal rant against that mob. <laughs> when did... Uh, needed. It was needed. It was needed. It was much needed. When did you yeah. first get involved with the Kano? And for anyone that's listening, if they're not aware of the Kano Foundation, could you just touch on and talk about the incredible work that they do? Absolutely. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, I got involved with the Kano Foundation a few years ago. Um just when I kind of left school and I was wanting to get more active with, you know, with being a Celtic fan and um, I was starting to attend the games myself more and I discovered, I discovered them that way, I suppose. My wee cousin, Lewis, um, if he's listening, uh, he's going to absolutely be our, the future of the future of Celtic, by the way, some wee player, so he is. Plays out of Clyde Bank, he's, he's a cracking wee striker. Um, but Lewis came home and he gave me this the Kano Foundation scarf for my birthday or something like that. Um, and I was intrigued. I was the first thing I was intrigued of was the name Kano. You know, it's at first I thought maybe you know there was an Irish connection there or something like that. So um, the Kano Foundation was established back in two thousand and ten, and a man called Martin Kane took unwell over in Australia. And Martin was very active within uh, the fan support and fan media in terms of. Um, you know, CQN and things like that at the time, way, way before my time, I think I was only about 10, 9, nine, nine years old, 10 years old at this point. Um, Martin took on well over in Australia and a group of Celtic fans got together to raise money to bring him home and to provide him with the, the care that he needed. Um, so that, that group was called Bring Martin Home and this was around 2009. So from there, a group of kids... Uh, got you know got involved and started to help out with the fundraising and one of the fundraising campaigns was a bucket collection outside Celtic Park and once they'd met their their fundraising goal they decided to take this group of kids who'd helped out to into the grounds into the stadium and I suppose you know that that's where the, the, the birth of the the idea originally was born um and the guy the the, the co-founding trustees um we still have Mark Kingsman, we still have Gillian eh, McCall and Joe Mackin, who was involved back in the day, who's still involved now. Um, I mean, they started off with like 50 season tickets at that point. Um, you know, didn't know if it was going to be a success. Is this crazy? Is this no? How are we going to, how are we going to manage this? Um, and now we have 186 season tickets eh, in Section 115, right behind the Lisbon Lion goal. And we've created such a... Is it bold to say, is it not? We've created such a legacy, I think, and I really believe Definitely. that the Cairns Foundation is the heart of the Celtic support. And I just feel so blessed to 
week in, week out, spend time with these kids. And I'm not going to lie, half the time I'm, I'm too busy to even watch the game. You know, <laughs> it, it, is, it is chaos. And I'm not even, I've not even touched on the fact that the kids get fed before the game. The kids get scarves, they get goodie bags. It's, it's so much more than just a match day experience. It's, it's life changing for these, for these kids, for families, for young people. We've had kids who live literally 200 yards away for Celtic Park who have never been to a Celtic game because they simply can't afford it. And they come and but on the contrast to that, we've also had young people and kids who come to the games every game with their dad, with their family, their mum, their uncle, whoever. They've got their own season tickets, but they always say, can I sit with the Kano again? Because it's like, do you know what it's like? It's like the mini Green Brigade. <laughs> we're, we're merged straight in between Junior the Capos. fans. Literally, we're, we're merged in between the away fans and the Green Brigade. So it is absolutely electric. And don't get me wrong, I mean... I've never truly experienced a time at Celtic Park where we've not been on top and we've not been winning. And a lot of these kids are the same, you know, and it's going to be quite the contrast, I suppose, um, going back. But that's the one thing about the Kennel Foundation is that it doesn't matter what it doesn't matter the state of the club, it doesn't matter about current affairs. The Kennel Foundation will always be there and these young people will always be coming through the turnstiles and they'll always be a future generation of Celtic fans. Cause that at the end of the day, that's what it's that's what it's all about. Do you know what I mean? The Cano Foundation for me is the heart and soul of the club. Well, it goes right back to the first quote. A football club will be formed for the maintenance of dinner tables for the children and unemployed. And for kids that unfortunately can't afford it because of whatever circumstances are parents, use fill a void. The kids get in contact with the organisation and you take them to watch Celtic and it makes their day. I've watched these loads of times. I'm walking for the old Corsano or the Celtic Sports Club. You walk along, you see a pure sea high-vis vest. Oh, is that right? Buzzing. Buzzing come on you boys in green and, and then they're walking in and it's brilliant that, that's what that's what Celtic's all about it's a celebration and these kids get to immerse themselves in Celtic and more credit to these the work these days is phenomenal I think the only sad thing is this year seen like fundraising which for as amazing as it was I don't think it should need to happen Celtic are completely aware of the work that you do as an organisation completely aware of the fact that the Bairns are I mean you could say on one hand it's good that they still do the £50 season tickets but I think there should just be a block allocated to the Keno if it could be facilitated and studied, and the kids should just get to go. Um, I don't really think you should have to be beg, steal, and borrow on fundraising to make money for this. It's, I it's think a, a phenomenal project. No, no, I I completely agree. But on that note, um, for the get go, we've always um, took the decision to be treated like any other fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've yeah. never asked Celtic and we would never expect anything from the club. Of course, no it was great to have, you know, more more opportunity in terms of uh, players coming around and saying hello to the kids and things like that. But it's it, we've always been fan-funded, completely fan-funded. And I think that's really, really important. And this season, obviously, it's been really hard because we've not been able to take the kids into the games, obviously. Um, and it was... Joe, our Joe Mackin, was on the Homeboys chatting uh, back in January, February time, and I think the you know the, the the listeners were just like, "God, you sound dead low, Joe. You know, is this is this really concerning you? How are we going to how are we going to help you out here?" Um, and then Eddie Toner uh, heard, listened in, put out a a, a tweet, um, a what's the word I'm trying to think of, uh, like a fan led appeal, uh, you know, to 
to support the Kano tape. Essentially, how it started was Eddie Tonu's uh, aim was to raise £20,000 to cover next year's costs uh, entirely, to take the pressure off us, um, because it's not like we it's not like we were struggling, because, of course, we don't have a lot of the expenses, you know, like buying scarves and foods and things like that. Anyway, I suppose it was to cover the, the main cost um, of the season ticket so that we know, because essentially Celtic turned around and says, well, you either buy the tickets or you leave them. Uh, you buy the tickets or you, you lose the seats, which is, that's where it all came from, I suppose. They are the worst. With Eddie. Oh, bastards, Eddie. Just <laughs> and uh, it totally blew up on Twitter, like totally. I mean, my phone was buzzing day in, day out for a good couple of weeks straight, just constant DMs, how can I help out, how can I help out? And um, even guys are still doing runs, fundraising for us, um, even though Eddie's totally surpassed the £20,000 mark, um, we had a group of guys, 5k for Kano. Um, yeah, that's class. Um, the boys. They, they were totally, for me, all, every, every, everybody that fundraised for us really contributed massively to, you know, the future of the Kano. But the 5k for Kano group kind of hit differently for me because as much as it was about the funds, it was so much about the awareness and the guys mm. created this video and it was, they were reflecting on their experiences growing up and how the Kano was so important to them as fans because of the fact of, they get it, you know, they understand, of we all do, but it was just this video really, really touched me, if you like, and I always use those guys as an example of the awareness. So many fans it sounds daft and he's might be in disbelief, but guys in Australia know who they are, guys in New York know who they are, oh, yeah. but the guys up the top behind us, they'll go, who are they kids? Like they don't they, they don't there's there's no been that push of awareness up until now. And another thing that I keep hearing hearing Celtic fans say too is that the Kano's almost united a lot of supporters this season, you know, during tough times. It's this glimmer of hope that will always be there no matter who the manager is and no matter how many trophies we win, you know? Uh, I was actually just going to wonder, because uh, we were talking beforehand about uh, like had kids from over here, from Dublin, going over. What way do you, do you decide week on week what group of kids do? Some do people like apply for like for kids to go, or is it just like a random? Do you go to like local schools or stuff like that? So I can't speak from how we kind of started at the beginning, because I, as I say, I was ten years old. But uh, Pat and I, um, Pat Griffin, who's one of our trustees, um, the past couple of seasons, what we've done is um, May time, June time, July time, there's this massive waiting list of groups applying. So on our website, we have our donation info, we have our application info, and we don't have any requirements. You know, it's not as if there's a tip box that you need to meet. It doesn't matter where you're from, who you are. It doesn't matter the background. If you apply, you will eventually get a game with us. But the struggle at this point, if we forget about COVID, is that the queue is always massive and it's so hard to actually allocate the, the quantity of the, the kids that went to come and I'm talking from as far up as Aberdeen to Dublin to Belfast we've really took kids from all over even down in uh, Wimbledon a lot of kids come up from Wimbledon um so on the on the the, the kind of build-up to match day um it's chaos so it is it's you know schools that are at some school 186 season tickets we've got so I think I can't do math so bad with numbers but that's partly my, the, the the struggle, the, the stress. But uh, 154 kids, I think, 
probably wrong, I don't know. But around about that will come. So let's say if it's one group coming, it'll be about 134 kids. But then sometimes it can be a group of 20, a group of 20, a group of 20 um, that will all come. And beforehand to go down to the church and it's the case of um it's the case of standing at the door and you know how many kids have you got 20 brilliant and you're trying to count them and sometimes groups from dublin you know especially traveling far will bring more than what they said they would bring or you know the chaos and you're trying to make sure that you know, it's it's not just us section as well yeah. uh, it would be great if we just had our own section and we could mark it off and this is us and it's great, but it's not as simple as that either. Do you know what I mean? You need to make sure that it's it's quite it's quite a, a unique match day experience, you could say, from your, your average season ticket holder. My old, school, my, old school went, my old school went about, I think it was about five or six years ago, CBS and West Belfast, and I tipped my hat to you for it's a place. Crazy. <laughs> What's that? It's crazy. Big Brian, we call him the Pied Piper of Parkhead. All the wings behind him, or just chanting behind him, it's something else. Unreal, that's what I'm saying. I remember seeing the videos. Um, fantastic school, by the way, I was only joking, but um, the videos, <laughs> uh, the videos, just the teachers with all the kids was unreal. It looked like it looked like some experience, some experience for them. Half the time, the teachers are more bouncing than the kids, man. <laughs> I, 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 think a, I think a lot of the time, the, the kids are like, Wow, Miss, Miss. <laughs> <laughs> Call me Martin, sorry. You've smashed a few records, and um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you've surpassed 10,000. How many kids have you now got through Celtic Park? Our next game is the 11,000 child. Class. Really? That's that, unbelievable. That, that's where we're at. It's unreal. Fantastic. 11,000 11, kids yeah. that got a day out. Unbelievable, because as you say, it's not just going to a Celtic game. See, like for me, you know, you would have remembered it yourself. I, I know this sounds a bit cliche, right? but well, obviously, the next time I go back to Celtic Park, it'll be unbelievable. I think it'll be greeting. But you know, like when you were we and you used to go to Celtic Park, see that feeling when you walk in that stadium. I can like I still get that to a degree now, even if it's yeah, when, you, when like, you come out and you see the the pitch and all that. Yeah, yeah it's like you still you feel like, five years old again. Yeah, and, and, and as a kid, but going in with all your wee pals and all that sort of stuff and oh, yeah. chanting away before, getting a bag of food and meeting in the chapel and then going into the game, that that's to me is what Celtic's all about. That's just my unbelievable. First, my first experience, I walked out, like you said, seen the stadium, seen Gordon Marshall, I don't know, you turned at home. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I get you 100%. Like that, that feeling, it's uh, it's on match day. I just can't wait to experience it again. Like Stuff like you would have took for granted. Um, like you see videos and stuff all the time of like some games, like European games and stuff, and that's your way. You're just like, you just took that for granted. You were like, just treat it like any other game. Whereas now, like if you were playing a friendly game or whoever you were playing against, you'd make sure you would just fucking take even Kilmarnock on, on a Wednesday night, man. Love that uh, right into me. Yeah, I'll, that's a bit of a strat, just, Martin, to be honest. And just give me sell. Like I say that all the time. I, I, I didn't really notice players that you really sometimes you'll come out of a game and people are like oh how good was that centre midfielder in Europe or something I just watched 11 Celtic players I didn't it's the same if we played Brecon or Barcelona I just want to see Celtic I, I'll feel like a child again when I walk in that stadium and see Parkhead unbelievable yeah. see the last week I, I was I think this, the atmosphere at Parkhead can be a bit exaggerated sometimes bad at the Green Brigade but see when we get back I think it's going to be bouncing for every oh, single I... game it'd be like Linfield every week 
Oh, <laughs> the best night of my life. <laughs> well, my you wedding, obviously. But that, is, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> that well, the, the best football night in my life. That was unbelievable. That night, what a time to be alive! High difference next season. Going to look at it. Like obviously, there's going to be a new manager. Please, is it going to be? The man who shall not be the man who's been confirmed about twenty five times. You're asking me, I, I don't know. I think you know. <laughs> John Kennedy, <laughs> you didn't type with the board. Um, I think no matter what, as you see, we're going into a season that we're just in the back of such unprecedented times. When have we ever? ever in history been deprived of Celtic when have you ever been deprived of being in that atmosphere and I honestly from the bottom of my heart believe that it's quite bold to say but I really do think that we will we will sit I mean for me I don't want to be missing out on that first time back at Celtic Park after the coronavirus pandemic this crazy thing that this time last year I mean, my dad, I remember my dad saying, oh, they'll never cancel, they'll never cancel the Derby on Sunday. Like, I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, it's, how, how is this virus going to, going to reach, reach us? And then it was that realisation of, it's, this isn't going to be just a couple of, couple of months, this is going to be a couple of seasons that we're not going to be in the door. So I think Celtic fans are going to, it's hard because you've got that financial barrier there as well, do you know what I mean? Of A lot of fans are going to go, is this worth it? Can I can I afford it? Do you know what I mean? That I honestly have hope. I really do. Um, in terms of the club and the team and the the actions on the pitch, however, um, that's a whole different that's a whole different ball game, isn't it? It's going to be a big season next year, isn't it? It's going to be like we've talked about this before about the pressure of this season. I think it's going to be equally as it's going to be season bigger next year. Champions League. It's just. Absolutely right. massive. Like, it's they'll have to speculate to accumulate. The biggest problem for me, though, all football clubs, I think, should be almost rewarding their supporters, and they won't. I mean, they'll they'll bleed us and use us as cash cows. Motherwell, yeah, yep. Motherwell are, aye, but they, aye, but they're they're a league apart now because they're like fan owned and they actually get, they, fair, get the community. Motherwell, they did release, they did, they did like sack half their staff, so there's a bit of a yeah. No, no, no. I'm I'm not putting them on a pedestal and saying that they're incredible in all that aspect, but generally with their support, they. Nine times out of ten, are t- they do tend to be on point. They put us to shame more often than not. But um, I, I just think that they should be coming to the fans and understanding the financial limitations and the circumstances surrounding the majority of the support. I would still say the majority of the Celtic support are working class. A lot will have to make decisions. Am I feeding my family or am I going to a Celtic game? Because a lot of people won't have that £500 to give Celtic. And I think they should be rewarding the fans and saying, we're going to knock the season book down slightly and this is just a wee thank you. I mean, £500 for an average sale, what does that work out? 27 28 quid. And then you yeah. think of all the other things on top of it. So a lot of dough to be putting out if people are off furlough, lost their jobs, or financial insecurity. I think there should be a wee bit of reward back to the support and saying, listen, you've suddenly been here, we need yous, we want yous, but here's a wee thank you or something like that. It's, well, I mean... That, sorry, that leaves the question of where did this added value go last season? You know, this oh, is the kind of thing that I was We got expecting. it on Saturday afternoon. It was <laughs> all worth <laughs> Saturday. You know, and it, not even that, but the disaster of the refunds situation and it's a working class ethos, charity-based club. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's certainly been lost in this capitalist, commercial-driven 
industry yes. that, that this is what football is is turned into and it's terrifying, do you know what I mean? And back to the Cairo, that's the one thing that I'm so passionate about with the kids. It's, I remember seeing this picture on uh, Facebook or Twitter or something and it was like, just like a contrast of a wee boy watching the football in a telly and then two boys, you know, jumping up on the wall and watching it, do you know what I mean? And it's, football is on a very dangerous, slippery slope at the moment in terms of, you know, I don't want to get us on a tangent about the Super League, but, you know... Go away. Go it's, all, it's all right, Selig, saying, oh, no, you know, but if if we had that opportunity, 100%, they would be on the bandwagon. Let's not... Oh, they'd be good. We were talking about they'd take the stadium up and move it down to England if they could, like... Exactly. We would be gone. Exactly. Ugh, I actually can't get over the fact that they said the Kano Foundation would take it or leave it. Like, just... It's not, surprising, it's not surprising. No, it's not surprising. No, it's not with How that, many things have yeah. happened this year? How many things no, have happened this they season? They don't care. And it's just, this season, I think it's going to come out in the next week or two. And, like, in, not, nothing else in your life, right? You wouldn't pay for your car insurance in a one you, you pay it over the year. I, but they have this fascination with getting all the money up front. Like, I mean, I'm lucky enough, like, I've got like, the money up front. But not everyone has five, six hundred quid just to go. Like, it's, they don't <laughs> seem to understand that. And then, if that, or else that they sell you out to some loan share company for 10 months like, and then you, then you get started on the daffabet and uh, debt equity companies they're involved with it's just that they're Crazy. absolutely lost that, is that, that wasn't I know it was, it was highlighted on Twitter and stuff on social media but that was an absolute disgrace like that's a joke man and like you see the, the Green Brigade going and doing that fantastic work raising the um the genocide of what's happened now in 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 Palestine, um, and, and the club called out. We had statement. And you're like, I don't, do they get it? Is there a? Do you know they're so far they're so far removed now for the understanding of the support. It is absolutely astonishing. If you even just go back to this season with the barricades getting put up around Celtic Park, the general attitude that they have in contempt over the support, but essentially a cash cow. But I think one thing that they've never liked, and this is this isn't just now. This is over decades and decades. They've never liked the politicised nature of Celtic support. They've never liked the relationship with Ireland. It suits them when they want to sell T-shirts in the club store or if they want to make money off it. But wherever possible, they'll differentiate. And now with the concept of internationalism, which Celtic is enshrined in when you look at a football club created to support people that were oppressed, Celtic's shown solidarity, which isn't even political. It's humanitarian against children being executed in an open-air prison and putting a flag in a stand to then come out and say that that's wholly inappropriate. You're wholly inappropriate. The whole board's wholly inappropriate. They're a disgrace. It was that word inappropriate that really threw me because to play the devil's advocate, to to put that hat on of, you know, going back to that whole capitalist football industry, like, I suppose they're... They're going to think PR, PR. How can we save ourselves here? This can't happen. But then, at the same time, I personally think they missed. This is terrible saying this in terms of taking away the the morality of the decision of the Green Brigade to put the Palestine flags there. But it was an open goal, though. They, they missed that. They missed that cracking PR stunt in terms of look at look at this. Look at we look look at the kind of club that we can be. Look at the kind of solidarity that our fans are showing. Do you know what I mean? It could have picked up international press. And it also Thank could you. have saved, no saved, saved, this is the wrong word, but it could have 
know that anything could ever backtrack this season, but there's there's been so many wee situations throughout this season that could have almost made up for stupid things. Do you know what I mean? They can't they can't read the room. They can't read the room. shocking, but just everything about that who's running the like Celtic are now like I know people joke they like, made the joke the, the political wing of the IRA but Celtic are actually the political wing <laughs> of, of the new of the new Labour Party now because you had John Reid you've Brian Wilson out in the yeah. paper like a director of Celtic and his only issue with Saturday was the SNP and just using that as a go with them like there's people out there who have no clue of what's going on in the real world and as long as they're okay that's fine it's like the it's like oh you're, you're not all millionaires like like, like us like they, they don't co- co- comprehend the situation that, that people but are that's, in. Live that's in why they these... that's why they can't comprehend it that's why what you just said there is so prevalent they're, they can't understand Celtic fans because they don't think like us people are shaped by their environment their products of their environment they're millionaires that live in mansions they've not got a scooby-doo they couldn't be further removed from understanding the Celtic and the saddest thing for me is what you just touched on earlier on They've said to an organisation that's so integral now within the club, and literally, and I'm not saying this to be clichéd or, or cheesy, they, 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 they've inspired kids that go along to Celtic Park, almost 11,000 now, that literally take so much away from the experiences, and then told you, like or lump it, buy them or you're gone. I mean, the club is run by charlatans and sharks. Do you know, the thing, the thing with that as well is, what's important to kind of highlight is, your team at the tackle office are fantastic with us. Mm. Stewards are fantastic with us. There's so much departments at Celtic that, you know, really appreciate us and get it. You know, I, I mean, Joe or Joey, this saying always says you get it or you don't, you know, and that that's, yeah. they, they get it. Do you know what I mean? And it, it's this, it's the hierarchy of um, taking football out of this. Heart, hearts and for me I'm all, all about hearts and minds and it's the bat it's my creative background and it's working with the Kano and when I go to the football that's you know that sometimes what it's that win lose or draw do you know what I mean we, the club could be in such a dire state but the Kano will always, will always be there you know from now anyway and it, it, not just not just the Kano as a brand or the Kano as a charity, but the legacy that it's left in these kids that will then pass it down to their kids and pass it down to their kids. And me and my dad, I was on a tangent about something else here, and I'm on, I'm on a tangent about something else. Is this what happened to you? <laughs> what are um, yeah. uh, my, Me and my dad have got, you know, mem- memorabilia that goes back to the 60s and the 70s. And it actually makes me great at the thought of a Kano scarf being part of that history. Yeah. You know, and it's it's almost like ownership of the no ownership of the club. That is absolutely not at all what I mean. But you know what I mean that the the heritage and the the heart of the club. Kind of, I, I had a good point there. I was going to make, and I've totally lost it. But something completely different. Anyway, see what I was going to ask you was we we tend to ask guys this, but predominantly like if they're uh, sort of Celtic, Celtic with Tom Boyd on, and one thing we asked them was, what does Celtic mean to you? What does Celtic mean to you? You were saying the other night about hearts and minds. What does it? What What does a football club mean to you as a person? It's such a it's such a broad question. Um, let me just calm for a wee second and gather my thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, it's everything that we've spoke about tonight. It's so much more than just a football club. It's so much more than just watching. 11 men kick about a ball on a pitch, you know, it's for, 
for me, grow, growing up as a Celtic fan, not growing up as a Celtic fan, but you know, since I've started working in the kind of sport industry and the, the creative industry and things like that, for me being a Celtic fan, I want to go on stage and I want to talk about um, how great it is being a Celtic fan. You know, you're walking up the Celtic Way, London Road, and your your seas are green and white, and it's all this romanticised things, but. In this world that we live in today, everything that we spoke about today, it's using, it's it's using our voice as a collective of making this, making positive change. And I'm going to say the, the kindest thing ever, but making the world a better place. Like it literally it boils down to that because football is becoming this shark. And do you know, like I mean, I always said to myself growing up that I would never work in. The, the, you know the, the private sector and things like that but I feel like you know using using this kind of world to actually impact the, you know like it's this is a totally how did I end up talking about this right but anything know, goes on this show yeah, <laughs> yeah. you get my point but don't you it's like it's not just it's felt like it's life it is it is it's so much more than just going to the football watching it on the telly it's hearts and minds it's who you surround yourself with it's it's the mindset that we have as a collective it's it's all of these things in one big time i we feel like the board alone the support basically defines who people are you could go anywhere you could walk into a boozer in most parts of the world you meet a Celtic fan it's unlike so many football clubs the commonality isn't just a team that you support for 90 minutes there's a very high chance that politically you'll think the same, culturally exactly. you'll think the same. There's there's things that tie you that's so much more defining than just 11 football players running about a park. Exactly, exactly. The, 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 the connections that I've made through the Kano Foundation specifically, I mean, I'm talking Australia, Thailand, New York, I mean, you name it, Russia, St. Petersburg, actually. We we had a few uh, fundraisers for St. Petersburg. Um, but right. it's this whole, like, you know, it's just... I think, I mean, I'm 20, so I've, in the grand scheme of things, you know, it's been 10 years of no experiencing any defeat. So in my living memory, I, go, you know, like my dad sneaking into pubs and things like that. Like, I've never experienced no winning. But then times where you you do get beat this season, especially you think, well, it, it honestly doesn't matter that this fan base will never change. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, no matter what happens, we'll, we'll always be this like-minded, optimistic, like faith-based. Do you know what I mean? I'm getting to a kindred, but do, 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 do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's no, it's true. Some of the have you ever seen the film The Kingdom of Heaven? Yeah, and it. Uh, the guy goes to him, so actually it's quite funny talking about Palestine. The fella says to him, like, what does Jerusalem mean? And he turns around and he goes, nothing. And then turns around and goes, everything. And that's like what Celtic is. It's just like... Oh, yeah, like, like? Yeah, in some ways, like, it's a game of football, but it's not just the game of football. Like, it's, it's everything. Like, we've all met through Celtic. We wouldn't know each other if I like, going to see Celtic. It's just like, like, I met my girlfriend through Celtic. Like, it's just, it's all-encompassing. It's everything. I know the board try and sanitise it, but it's, it's where you learn about, like, you know, you learn the songs, you learn the politics. Like, what's that about? Like, it's, that, it's an educational, you know, experience going to see Celtic Life Line. Educational. I, I've had Wayne's ask me, Kano kids, how's the game filmed? And then one girl went, oh, look, it's a drone. A drone's filming the game. And I had about 20 kids around me pointing up to the sky, looking at this imaginary drone. 
And I'm like, there's this, you know, when it's <laughs> uh, we, we experiences for, for kids, you actually, I actually forget that, you know, they, a lot of these kids haven't been to the games and it actually makes me think, it makes me see the stadium differently through their eyes as well. You know, it's Big something time. else. I feel, I feel see, like great. See, speaking about Saldic and like being all over the world and stuff, <laughs> the photo of Habib Nurmagomedov wrestling a burr <laughs> Celtic cap on is one of the most insane photos I've ever seen. <laughs> like, but you know what I mean? It just shows you, like, we spoke um, with Jimmy Dorn a few weeks back, and he spoke about his experiences in Afghanistan, um, walking through the streets of Afghanistan, and people asking about Celtic and who's the next manager going to be, and just anywhere you go all over the world, it's just that you're just, you become, you see someone standing up on a Celtic cap on, you've got yourself a, a holiday, boy. For, yeah, a, yeah. for a week or ten days, it's just one hundred percent instantaneously. Yeah. Right away, you're off. Uh, but, my, wife, um, my wife gets devastated by that. See, if we if we're abroad and I walk in a boozer, I see a geezer with a set, or even sometimes you can just tell if someone's a Celtic fan because they look like a Celtic fan. <laughs> we 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 were we were on holiday last year and we were sitting there and I turned to Catherine and I went, "They're Celtic fans," and she's like, "How could you possibly know that?" He's wearing a t-shirt and she's wearing a top or something. So I'm telling you, 100% they're a Celtic fan. Got talking to them. Our boy was in the Green Brigade and the two of them were for Coat Bridge. What a chat we had. Unbelievable. Yeah. What it's a the energy in it. Oh, aye. You can just tell a mile. And the crazy thing is when you start like what we're saying now, I'm talking away to them. Got 101 things in common with them because we're very similar people. It's, oh, I love Celtic, man. <laughs> just give me the season <laughs> ticket now. I'll, I'll renew tonight. <laughs> Take it all, I'll buy two. I'll buy the kennels if they want. <laughs> See, when you were saying there about um, Thailand, did you have you had the uh, Thai Tims over? We haven't, no. Um, sadly, no affiliation. Uh, the club used them, I, didn't they? So yeah, them. I think, actually, yeah, nah. Unfortunately, nothing to report there, nothing I know. And you know what? It's something that would be so magical to connect. You know, I mean, I I'm always all for that extra reach. I would love to. There's actually this wouldn't work for various reasons, but there's actually a place in Nigeria called Kano. So see when you Google Kano, kids like schools in Nigeria come up, which is some kind of exchange, you know, with like I don't know. First the team that came in my head, Barcelona, like you know, like an exchange of supporters. Do you know what I mean? Like just having visions of sending kids out from Glasgow <laughs> for, for two weeks. But yeah, no, it's something else. See, a few years ago, we were talking off air, and um, you done a poem at uh, Malone's for Celtic AM. And it was the first time I'd ever heard it. It was class, and I've watched your videos and all that since. Um, and I'd asked you before we started, would you be able to do it? See if you would be kind enough to do it. Um, for anyone listening, I, I thought it was class. But can you tell us how that sort of came about, your your journey with poetry or into the arts? Or why, why, why did you sort of get involved with that? I absolutely. Um, I mean, I've always been the annoying theatre kids at school, you know, always involved in the school shows. Um, and then I think as I grew up and I suppose I had a 
a touch of the real world, if you like. And um, I started doing a lot of writing and I started um, performing my own poetry at 14. And how that came about was uh, I do theatre called Toon Speak Young People's Theatre, which is based in Royston in the northeast of Glasgow. Um, and I'm no far, no far. Um, Bermulloch, um, we're, we're in Bermulloch now. Uh, Royston, God, how long ago was that? Anyway, um, I always, uh, grow, growing up working in, you know, working in musical theatre as, as a child, I was always surrounded by middle class kids kids who were paying an absolute fortune, their parents were paying an absolute fortune to send them to theatre schools. And I always remember, I just, I didn't feel like I, not that I didn't fit in, but I was like, there, there has to be more than this, surely there has to be more than just, you know, learning how to sing, dance and act just to be a superstar. You know, I wanted to, back to that cliche, you know, you, you use your voice to make a different kind of difference. Um, so when I started Toonspeak, Toonspeak's a charity, uh, totally free. They do amazing work in terms of, um, you know, their young people get taxes provided, the young people get fed, things like that. Um, really phenomenal work. And uh, so I started a, a young writer's workshop, as it was called, on a Tuesday night uh, with a, a writer called Cathy Fords. And I always remember, uh, you know, the first, I didn't know I was writing poetry. I didn't know it was spoken word poetry. I just thought it was like, you know, funky like monologues or something. I just like to write, to to talk, do you know what I mean? And to, to perform and things like that. And it wasn't until she was like, no, you can use that word. You can say fae, you can use slang. Like, this is how people talk. So... Um, I suppose my ambitions within the theatre world shifted from, you know, being a musical theatre star and dreaming about Broadway and the West End to making a real difference in terms of representation, being a minority within theatre and the arts, being a working class voice, being the only woman, the only working class woman in the room, the only working class woman at the board and around a board uh, table or whatever it may be. Um, so I think you know, 17, 18, 19, I was like, wow, there's so much more scope here that I can really take my poetry to a new level of actually impacting people's lives. Um, and I was sitting at a table at, uh, with the BBC and it just so happened I was sitting next to the executive producer of BBC Scotland, who I can, I've said it now, but he's a Celtic fan. So he's like, oh, yeah, Celtic fan. Oh, so the, 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 the Women's World Cup's coming up. Would you like to make some content around the Women's World Cup? It would be great to have, you know, a female face involved, blah, blah, blah. So I wrote a poem for the Women's World Cup, filmed it at Hamden, really fortunate. Uh, BBC The Social it was, and they were just so accommodating and, motiv you know, motivating and totally inspiring. And um, that video got, like, 1.1 million views in, like, a week. It totally, it totally, sh like, shook me. And... The feedback was, it wasn't, oh, that's a great poem. It was like these guys, grown men, getting into arguments about the fact that I'm a woman. And I think one of my lines was, no men in suits and football boots. And that totally, like, riled people up. So that was more motivation to get stuff out to to really make a difference. And then I put a Scott Brown video out, and then the Huns get a hold of it. And my God, man, you should see my DM. <laughs> I have got all sorts this week, but I thrive off it. <laughs> Did they contact like did they actually send you direct messages? No, just on the thread. I woke up to three hundred direct messages across Twitter and uh, Messenger. Seriously? Uh, 
everything under the WhatsApp. Do you know what? I think it was because the video has been probably put into WhatsApp chats. It's been put on Rangers fans forums and all this kind of thing. Um, the the most recurring comment was Tommy Sheridan's daughter. This was this is the thing that everybody jokes about um, after telling my family and stuff like that. I don't know where this came from. I don't know if it's because you know the way Tommy Sheridan does his videos. <laughs> Tommy Sheridan <laughs> might stick on Oh, Tommy, you know, that plastic surgeon must have cost your fortune. Like, just all sorts, constantly. It's crazy. And did you, like, hate That's and all that as well? Insane. Absolutely, I Like, constant. And it's not just, um, it's, it's not every day, do you know what I mean? It's only when videos pick up. Uh, but when I put a video out that I filmed at Celtic Park for the BBC um, a couple of years ago now, that would have been the one you heard, Martin, at a city Celtic yeah. God's sake, man. I mean, it was really, it got really, really personal considering I'm just in their eyes a wee lassie that does, that writes poems. Yeah. It, it was just, you think, what actually goes through these guys' What's heads? wrong with them? It's crazy. Yeah, I would never, like, think of messaging someone, like, like I'd, yeah. I'd be too embarrassed, like, first, even if they were good, I wouldn't even message them. So, like, that doesn't enter, like, my mind at all. Keep them going. More power to you. Like, see if I got... Uh, 100%. See if there was a... a a girl like yourself and like say she was a Rangers fan she came up with a poem about Rangers that was getting sent on my WhatsApp groups be like why are you sending this in the WhatsApp group yeah. delete let the girl do what she's doing or let the fans do what what's it's mad <laughs> I mean absolutely get they're so threatened by anything it's that is anything that is I get that it's Tommy like Sheridan's daughter not even a <laughs> honestly like that I mean that's that's the funny stuff you can laugh at if it, if it was somebody else that was maybe a wee bit more vulnerable and more inclined to obsessively scroll through it. It could be a different ball game. It could be a different okay. story. But it's okay. just, you know, keyboard warriors, isn't it? Strange crazy. people. That the, is um, crazy stuff. See, well, we've got you on that tangent. Would uh, Hopefully you know how to regurgitate it for off heart. Would you be able to give us a wee blast it? Of course. Uh, which one? Well, let me think. Both. That, the, one about, the, the one that oh. I heard about, um, the one that I heard about Celtic was class. Is that like the Carlton Tongs one? Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll get. Have I got that? I think I've got an email somewhere. Um, see now that I've not been gigging like live gigs, and I can just yeah. and read off my phone next to the camera. I've got the habit of memorising my poems, unfortunately. Right, but I'll give you an option. So we've got the treble, treble. We've got the double, tre- no, we've got the treble, treble. We've got the quadruple, treble, or we've got. Um, you don't know how lucky you've got it, which is all about. It's actually the story of my dad and my granddad. Yeah, yeah I like to hear. Yeah. I don't remain as the double travel, the travel travel, yeah. the quadruple travel, please. <laughs> I don't know. I can't wait Let me find it. Pierce is going to be greeting here in like 30 seconds. <laughs> the thing it's, is, it's, it's inspiring. And that, it's been that long since I've done this one as well, actually. There we are. Oh, no, it's not that one. Is it on Twitter? Have you ever put a video like that for Twitter? Or for, uh, yeah. Is that, that, on, is that that one with the BBC social or one of them? Are, I remember when I ended up the first time like two or three years ago. You had the oh. Celtic scarf around your neck and all that, but you know, yeah. did you know do it like at the steps at the car park or something like that? I'd done it. So the the artistic vision for it was the reflection of the old and the new. So yeah. I went to Clarkin Park and then at Celtic Park. So I tried to get in the grounds of Celtic Park. <laughs> And entertain me. Um, <laughs> we, do, we, do, we do what we can, uh, but I've got it here. Um, if they made I, a couple of pounds about it, they would have let you in the main stand, <laughs> eh, brother? Uh, have you worked for Labrooks or you work for a, um, any other sort of agency, you'd be straight up. I know, I know. 
Uh, right, so I've got it here. So when I was wee, we never had BT Sport or Sky Sport or Celtic TV. I never even had a telly. I'd spend my week gain at hard graph, gain at welly for pennies. I'm telling you, wee man, you don't know how lucky you've got it. If my dad was working and quite often doing at the yards and my ma would give me some change for the game, but if I stuck an old June booze up my jersey, he'd lift me out of the turnstiles to see the game. And I'd spend that change in a macaroon while listening to the tune of the jungle boys making noise. It was paradise for me as a young boy. And as I grew up and went out with my pals, we drank under tricolours in the ceiling while feeling that this is something special. Though no marriage material, as my plans are far from Glasgow's territorial schemes and it seems my pals praying to their buckfast tonic wine is a sign that this life isn't meant to be. So I kept it Celtic. Only Celtic. I kept my scarf tucked into my chest, jacket zipped up, hiding my crest. I sung Celtic songs in a Celtic bar to the tune of tin whistle, mandolin and acoustic guitar the adrenaline. My heart beats to the sound of the drum in section 111, my toes are numb. I'm not the only one. I'm in love. My true love seats 60,000. My true love is anything wrapped in white and green. Me and my pal surrounded by absolute scenes. I grew up in love with the Celtic supporters. No, the Celtic songs are rebel songs, but a club like no other. When I was wee, I looked up to legends like Murdoch, Johnson and McStay, your son, are witnessing treble parades. It's always been and always has been the Celtic way. Unbelievable. Yeah, I man. cannot wait for next season. I can't <laughs> <wait>. <laughs> That's What said about season books? <laughs> That's a bit. That's it. Really? Everyone say that. That's absolutely fantastic. How do you write something like that? Like, how do you have like, you know, the, the imagination to write that? Like? You know, the majority of the time, it's it's literally just a flood of energy. Like, it's something that ha- I have never kind of had to work on. And I, I, I don't say that for an ego perspective. I say that for the soul. You know, it's it's something that just... A gift. Just a natural gift. Like, I, I don't even see it like that because I wouldn't say that that is... You know... When I work with different poets in the industry, it's very structured, it's very by the book, it's what you learn at school, whereas for me it's literally just like a stream of consciousness and the the buzz of getting a video out and it doing well is great, but see the buzz of actually writing it, you know, and getting caught up in your thoughts and for example the Scott Brown video I never intended to put out, it was my dad like, oh get that out there, you know, the way dads do, but it was it was literally just me, like it, it took me, I think I wrote it in about 10 minutes and it was just like the emotion of the day, you know, it's like I, I have to document this moment in time, that is the, the, the process that I have to my poems, it's never been about internet fame, it's never been about using it to get a job in the industry it's literally just you know how I feel and almost you when you see the huns in my dms obviously you know I, I couldn't care less but it's weird because it's almost like you're jumping into my head do you know what I mean and it, it, it can make you quite vulnerable if you like but I've just always done it I've always been immune to the 
to any to any backlash you know it's it's literally just what I want to say and that's you know it's my my voice I feel like it's how I say it it's more of a compliment to ah we think you're class that I thought that was honestly superb that was that is incredible I might actually let my grand listen to that she just <laughs> I know I'm being she'd be in tears but um ah you hit the nail on the head unbelievable but did you say like see what you just said there now though I know you're trying to be quite modest with it and all that sort of stuff, but if anyone that's um, particularly uh, like sort of gifted in that capacity can write something, be it a song or a poem in ten minutes, <laughs> you're very lucky. Like <laughs> a lot of people would labour over that; it would take them weeks and months and all that sort of stuff. You bang something out and it's getting a million views, and the, the reason it's getting so many views is because you're very good. Um, so if any of these Neanderthals are sending you nonsense, <laughs> I would personally just say delete. I'd just get rid of your DMs personally, but. Then that's quite a sad state of affairs because you didn't want to, oh, you didn't want to capitulate for these people. But yeah. um, no, see, superb. Most see, yeah, uh, like just quick. See, like we actually said, they could be missing a trick. See, over here, there's a team called Bohemians. I don't know if you've heard of them, but they've got an official club poet. Like Celtic should, like not just that because yeah, but Celtic should look into doing something. Celtic needs to be like out there having people like projecting the message of the club because that's just definitely. Oh, that's falls into the arts too, doesn't it? Like it falls yeah. in there. Like if we're going to have plays and stuff or. It all f- falls in perfectly. It's one of the things, like Celtic is all, when things are going well and when things are going great, you know, you've got these big professionals, Celtic the musical, the Celtic festival, this kind of stuff. And then, you know, it's, oh, I don't know, it's a different tangent, but it's an interesting question to throw at the club. Eh, and I think it's also good for your fan interaction as well, eh, Celtic, isn't it? Even if Celtic, like, the... <laughs> see, see, Celtic though, like, even if we're murder, I think there's always going to be a fusion of like, like songs, like to a degree, things like poetry and that sort of culture. It uh, all comes back to a celebration of Celtic. It's always the club's quite romanticised, you know, like with the fans and all that sort of stuff. And you can't kind of separate that. The, the, I, I think it just goes. There is something quite romantic about Celtic and perfectly putting your poem. I thought it was amazing. Thanks, hundred percent. I completely agree. See the Celtic musical, and then uh, on the backlash of that, uh, you had rallied in the Rangers. And oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean that they, they like to say we're the cringiest fan base in the world, right? But it's just that they don't have that heart and soul. Do you know what I mean? That's what it ties back to for me. And I, I not nothing. If we if we supported America, they'd support Canada. If we said it was night, they'd say it was day. The, that's actually true like I would say that, that would actually happen no joke yeah they're, they're back in Israel for no reason other than the fact that like Celtic fans have decided to latch on like, Celtic fans support uh, Palestine just latch on anything that is just like so much Palestine um, supporting humanitarian like like you're not blamed open your eyes to what's going on like no matter what club you support or whatever else you can't you can't support that. Like, how many of them are standing there with an Israel flag wrapped around them doing a Nazi salute? They're I mean, beyond deluded. Open the your beauty, mind, educate yourself. The beauty of Celtic, I think, is that we should always uh, focus and fixate on Celtic and Celtic alone, like what you were talking about. Shouldn't really concern ourselves too much with other clubs and what they do. It's maybe nice if you can tie them with solidarity and show sort of a bit of support at times, but generally, I think Celtic should just stand alone as a support and understand the best parts of the club and celebrate them all the time. The, the stuff that you're doing there is unbelievable. I'm surprised that you've not a phone call for Celtic because I know you were touching saying a couple of things before, but 
they, they should be running you at half time when we get back <laughs> in the stadiums. Yeah, get Tony yeah. Adams' brother away from that club. Let's make some noise for the boys. <laughs> what? Uh, I cannot wait to hear that. You know, when you go back, though, this is an important safety announcement. I'm going to celebrate that like a goal when I hear that. Ten tickets, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Take them all. No, to be fair, Ern, you've been amazing. See, just before we go, but you always do a wee thing, right? And the three of us, one by one, I'll ask you one wee question. It's a smidge of a curveball. I can see your face because you don't know you don't know what you're going to be asked. None too heavy. Uh, depending on the guest determines the question generally. But um, I'll just start. What is the best game you've ever been to as a Celtic fan? I think. Um... Where do you where do you begin? Do you know what? This is this is this is a wee bit. We- so, this is one game that I just remember sobbing at. It was just that magic feeling was um, Billy McNeil's and uh, not his anniversary, but you know that special tribute that was done and uh, Simonovic scoring oh, in the yeah. And I just remember looking around and everyone was in absolute disbelief and it was just the whole atmosphere of that game and the day and you know everyone's thinking the same thing I was leaving the ground and it was just so ghostly you know it was as if I wrote a poem um, I think it was my treble treble poem that was inspired by that game it was just something else and then um, the game that we played the uh, Hamilton it was like a Wednesday night and, oh, Scott Bringle no 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 when <laughs> when uh, the hundreds were, were getting beat, oh, and I just, oh, remember, yeah, yeah. I just remember the kids. I mean, uh, my my favourite games tie back to the Kano. You know, I just remember the kids like what's going on. You know, they just every, everybody was the whole stadium erupted at that moment, and then the kids are looking at the pitch and they're looking at the away fans and they're like just pure confused. You know what I mean? Like that is that was another moment that will never leave me as well. And um, there's that many. I'm trying to think of when I was younger. Bye. Uh, my question then would be, uh, what's your ambitions, I suppose, for the future in terms of being a poet? Like, what, what, where do you aim to be? Um, I think to just, I suppose, to continue what I'm doing and to not get caught up in this whole um, capitalist machine of putting content out there to get paid and to, you know, um. I suppose right now being at uni and things like that, obviously I have to think of, you know, making a living and I want to like, I want to make my money in the creative industry. But I think in terms of a poet, that will always be a wee side thing for me. It will always be my heart and soul. And I really want to um, get involved more in education as well, possibly working in schools, using poetry to educate young people um, and just to kind of, just to keep doing what I'm doing, to be honest. No real ambition, I think. Just all kind of soul. Class. I mean... Well, my question to you is, if you had three people they invented a squirrel before a Celtic game for a paint, who would it be and why? I think absolutely Luke Kelly, because the Dubliners is such a huge inspiration. Um, he's will laugh at this, right? But... <laughs> Walt Disney, right? For... <laughs> 
laughing. Walt Disney swaggering over to Rab going, can I get a pint of tenants, mate? <laughs> I, know, I know that there's a lot of controversies in terms of Walt Disney and his past and things like that, right? But Disney is such a, a huge a huge part of my life. And I would love to introduce Walt Disney at that point in his life to Celtic to see how what kind of influence that has. Um, you know, that's taking over for Kobe. I'm not, not that I'm, <laughs> I'm actually like I'm hundred and ten percent being serious here. Like um so Luke Kelly and Walt Disney and Walt Disney C S C Yeah. Love it. Yeah, that happen. Absolutely. This would only this would only come to a poet on a, a football podcast. <laughs> um can't be here, listen. They're gonna pretend like I don't like Disney films. Is a lion king, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. One of the saddest films ever when Mufasa does. Shaped my childhood, mate. Unbelievable. And then the final one, Aaron? so hard i think for the excuse to meet him probably bruce springsteen bruce springsteen is like my all-time favorite rock and roll like the boss singer. and like i think i i think he would just be some buzz at a silly game to be honest <sighs> he also does a rendition of this land the journal as well get him straight over he could do a duet with poetry that's a good show oh my god you can imagine oh. <laughs> be some crack one up this has been fantastic by the way what a podcast thanks Good. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I've been a buzz. <laughs> no, definitely. I think the, the poem itself, the, everything that was, we've discussed here, the, the big thing behind the Kino Foundation and the, the, the unbelievable work you just do um, is, is absolutely tremendous. Um, are they on Twitter and stuff? It's any, anyone who's listening to the show can go on and follow them. Yeah, so we're on uh, Twitter, Facebook and uh, Instagram as well, just at the Kano Foundation. So please, please do give us a wee follow and, you know, things like that is great awareness as well. It's not just about the funds, it's about the awareness. So please, yeah, give us a wee shout out. Definitely, definitely. But again, Aaron, thank you very much for uh, giving us your time and coming on and talking about your love for Salik and keep those poems co- coming, I'm sure. Um, I can speak for on behalf of everyone that we enjoy them. They're they're unbelievable. Um, ignore all the the shade that comes with it because we get that anyway. But absolutely fantastic. You've been a brilliant, brilliant guest. Um, thank you very much for your time. Yeah, not a problem at all. Thank you very much, guys. And hopefully thank I'll you. see you soon in the future. Yeah, that's great. Thanks very much. No worries.